0: Who's ready to get into the Word real quick before it's time to go to lunch? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just have a couple of announcements uh, that I wanted to make to you. This Wednesday night, um, I'm excited about this because this Wednesday night, um, we're going to be moving uh, midweek here. So we're actually going to be in this room in the corner. If you go down this hall to where kids are and you... Take a, take a sharp right and go all the way down to the end. It'll be the last room on this side. Now, when you come on Wednesday, you can park over in that parking lot and you'll see our flag on this side of the building and you can come right in that door so you don't have to walk all the way through because there are other classes and things going on here. Now, here's why we're doing this. Because I met with Pastor Eddie and I said, can I ask you a weird question? This may seem weird to you. And he said, if your kids can join our kids on Wednesday night he knew right where I was going. And I said, yes. He said, no, that wouldn't be weird because that's what we did. And I, it's one thing I appreciate so much about Pastor Eddie is he totally understands where we're at as a church. So here's the good news. Our kids are going to get to join their kids and be a part of the Royal Ranger program. And it used to be missionettes. So I'm going to have to break that because now it's uh, young, it's young women's ministry. It's, so anyway, young, young girls ministry. Young girls ministry. No, they've changed it. I just talked to Pastor Eddie. Well, we'll talk about this later. But anyway. <laughs> so, but here's the good news. Your kids are going to get to join their kids. Now, they also have nursery So if we have any babies, then the babies will be able to go in the nursery. If you have teenagers, our teenagers will be able to join their youth upstairs in their youth room as well. So, and then everybody else, you'll be able to come to Bible study because we're gonna dig deep in the word. It's gonna be in this room. This Wednesday night at 6.30, okay? Um, I want my wife to jump up here real quick and talk about, you got a sister to sister thing coming up.
1: So if you are interested as a family in coming with your children, come and see me so that I can let them know how many children we're, lo- we're talking about blending in and the, the grades and things like that for the different classrooms. Yes. This coming Saturday at our house from, not, from 11 to 1, we're having our sister-to-sister spring tea. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just got back from Louisville, Kentucky, and this coming Saturday in Kentucky is the Kentucky Derby. Derby. So, um, but, we're, but we're not in Kentucky, so that means nothing here. But um, if you're in Tulsa, it's the ORU graduation. So that's a big deal if you're, if you're a college student. But I got to thinking, don't have to, just gonna throw it out there if you want to, wear a spring hat. Because it's derby season, or it's graduation season, or just come as you are. But we're going to have a great time. Lunch is provided, and we do have a special speaker. Um, Julie's been a friend of mine, and she actually is from Kentucky. She's going to be coming and just imparting into us. It's going to be a really fun time. Bring a friend. Um, just, just, just come. It's going to be a sweet, sweet time. If you need my address, come and see me after church. But we want you to come. Us girls, we just have a great time. We like to dress up. We like to dress the table and maybe dress down ourselves, you know, so you don't have to worry about, I don't know what to wear. Just come as you are. It's going to be fun, isn't it? Do we have a good time? We have a good time. You may think, well, I don't like tea. Well, we've got coffee too. All right, we've got a Keurig. But it's going to be fun. Drink coffee out of a little teacup or whatever you want to do. It'll be a good time. Bring your daughters also because it's just a real casual, comfortable time to come and, and, and join together as sisters
0: yep awesome
1: no the lunch is provided unless you have a special uh, menu that you need to eat if you're if you're on a dietary restriction bring food that you can eat but we're going to have a nice spread for everyone
0: okay Yep. And then also next Sunday is going to be our family lunch immediately following service here in the kitchen. So if you want to bring a crock pot or a cover dish or a dessert, whatever you want to bring, we're all going to join together and get to eat in the fellowship hall, be our first one here. And so we're excited about that. Also I want to show you some pictures. Uh, We took a whole team of men to um, the prison at the Hawkins unit and so this was the whole group this is not just our church there were four churches that were represented there let's go the next next slide here this is we're getting a tour uh, of the prison and then the next slide here's jacob shaking hands with one of the inmates next and uh there's paul behind us these guys are so appreciative next slide they are so thankful that you come and this this guy was just thanking me. He said, thank you so much for coming, caring enough about us. And uh, next slide. And this is actually one of the rooms. You can see some of the bunks over here on the right-hand side, but it's a big room. There's about 75 guys, guys that stay in that room. Uh, you see the bathroom sinks on the wall. The showers are over there. Next slide. <clears throat> this is their computer room. They actually learn how to fill out applications online. Um, some of these guys have been in there for a while so they haven't you know been updated so next slide Um, this is a big community room go to the next slide and let me tell you these guys worship next slide yeah look at these guys and then cracks me up you got jacob down in the middle there (laughs) he's getting his worship on next slide um, this is Glenn this is their electric guitar player Zach got to help lead worship got to sing some of the songs and man these guys you don't know if you're in a prison or on a military base I mean they're flat out these boys worship and it's cool next slide um, yeah just me just opening it up getting ready to preach next slide next slide and uh, ask these guys to pray next slide now look at this next guy he's getting ready to pray as we're praying, man, these guys bring their Bibles. They are ready to go. Next slide. This is the altar call. Now, when we, gave, when we began to give the altar call, not just inmates stood up, but some of the guys from the other churches that came stood up and got to pray with those guys. Next slide. And then this is us. I asked all of our team to spread out to get with as many guys as they could. And then I had other guys. I said, if you're madly in love with Jesus, get with these other guys. And stand up with them and so then the next slide shows us all praying to go Zach praying for this guy on the front row And then the next slide is all of us praying together as a team These guys pushed all their chips to the middle as James said and said we're all in We're giving God our complete heart and then next slide Now this is in the rooms you can see more of the bunks and they're doing the small groups Gary is leading this group next slide Yeah, there's that's so, so it was a great group in there. Next slide. And uh, then Paul led this group. I'm sitting next to Paul. And then next group, he did a great job. This guy down on his knees here, he he totally got wrecked. He was so thankful. But man, he, God just revolutionized his life. And so I just want to thank you. Thank you guys for coming, all the men that came, but thank you for praying for us. Thank you for supporting that. And also we want to welcome the guys from the Hawkins unit that are watching this because they asked, they said, how many guys, How many of you, James asked, how many of you guys watch Vision Church in the prison? Because we send our messages in and all these hands went up, All the, I was just so touched and moved by how God is using this ministry to affect those guys' lives. So, with that in mind, why don't you take, yeah. All right, man, I wanna dig in and we wanna get right to it. Put your hands on your heart, close your eyes, pray this after me, would you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask you for direction, correction, wisdom for my life. Give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take your Bibles? Would you turn in them, first of all, to Luke chapter 14, and then we're going to be going to the book of Romans. We're going to be hanging out in Romans chapter 6. Thank you, Rebecca. Appreciate you. Love and appreciate our worship team. The book of Romans to me is an amazing book. It's one of the most important books for Christians, and the reason is is because this is the very first. Uh, this is the very first epistle that Paul wrote, very first letter that he wrote. Wrote to the church at Rome, and and he's writing. And in the first part of the book, probably about the first five chapters, he's talking about how humanity needs salvation. Then he talks about the plan of salvation, but then he gets to chapter six through eight. And he begins to talk about your identity, who you are now in Christ, now that you've been born again. And so these, these are very important chapters. I know usually when we ask people to begin to read the Bible, we start them in John. But let me tell you, Romans is a very important book to pay attention to. Um, many people call it the constitution of Christianity. Our nation, we have a constitution and it's, our in essence, our birth certificate. Well, if a constitution is your birth certificate, then your birth certificate tells other people who you are and who you belong to. And so that's what the book of Romans does is it tells people who you are, who you belong to, amen? And so in that book, you know, when you think about your identity, you think about the price that Jesus paid. And Jesus paid such a precious price, I think he should get what he paid for. How about you? He should get what he paid for. And he paid for so much more than just you and I to be forgiven of the past and be able to go to heaven one day when we die. He paid for a whole lot more. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Amen? So, I want to talk for a moment, though, about identity. Because How do you see yourself? Identity is very, very important. This is why I point out uh, Romans 6 through 8. And you want to read all of it in its context. Sometimes people take a part of 7. And if you just read a part of chapter 7 and walked away, you would think, well, it doesn't matter. I can just go ahead and sin because God's grace covers me. That's why you need to read 6 through (laughs) 8 and get the whole picture. We want to keep things in context. Amen? And so, once you know your identity as a Christian, then then there's little chance for you to have a mistaken identity. Amen? I had a friend of mine who went on vacation. He took his family to Orlando, and they stayed at the Wyndham Hotel and Resort. And when he went up to check in, you know how they asked for your credit card and your driver's license? He gave them his credit card and his driver's license, and his last name is Wyndham, spelled the same way. So, when the person at the counter saw that, they went back, and they got the manager, and they brought the manager out, and the manager said, Mr. Wyndham, we are so honored and glad that you decided to stay with us this week. And he goes, no, 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 I'm not a part of the Wyndham family. I just happen to have the same last name. And he said, well, sir, we want you to know we won't need your credit card. We've already taken care of you. In fact, you're going to be staying in the penthouse suite. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not the Wyndham you think I am. I'm just a boy from Kentucky. And they said, well, that, you know, sir, we're just thankful that you decided to stay with us. And I said, well, how did your vacation go? And he said, I was nervous all week because I thought they're going to they're gonna charge my card. And it's not going to be pretty <laughs> when this thing's over. And, he, and I said, well, did they? And he said, no, they never did. They mistook His identity. But how many of you know, they thought he was a part of the Wyndham family. We are a part of the family of God. So that means we're entitled to the penthouse suite. So that means that our identity is who God says we are, not how other people feel about you or who they think you are. Amen. So, my question to you, though, is how do you see yourself? What kind of identity do you give yourself? Do you say about yourself, I'm, I, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace? Or is your identity that you have been made right and righteous in Him? Is that your identity? You remember the children of Israel uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 12, God he, he swung the final blow that caused the children of Israel to be delivered from the hand of Egypt. And they were taken out of Egypt, taken out of bondage, and they traveled into the wilderness. They came to the mountain that God said that all of you are gonna worship me on this mountain. And he brings them to that mountain. There was a problem though. They came out of Egypt, but Jesus, Egypt didn't come out of them. Almost said Jesus, sorry. Egypt didn't come out of them, Right? They were delivered from Egypt, but they still had Egypt on the inside of them. So they didn't want to come up the mountain. They were afraid of God. But who went up the mountain? Moses. And what's interesting about Moses is he was in Egypt too. Only he had a much different picture of Egypt because he grew up in Pharaoh's house. He grew up there as a prince of Egypt. Got to ride, got to drive the Ferrari. Got to have the big closet, the nice warm bed at night. Got whatever he wanted when you live that way. But listen to this scripture. It's so interesting. In, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, it says, that, talking about Moses, that he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Out in the wilderness, the children of Israel, they longed for the delicacies of Egypt. They longed for the pleasures of sin that they had back in Egypt. <clears throat> you know, sin is pleasurable for a moment. Anybody that tells you it's not is deceived. <laughs> I mean, there is some pleasure in it. Otherwise, people wouldn't sin, right? But it's, it's short-lived, isn't it? Okay. So here's the reason I'm bringing this up. It's because Jesus died on the cross and salvation was twofold. Salvation was forgiveness of the sins of the past and then we are made in right standing with God. So salvation is free. It's a free gift. But on this side, that's justification. On this side is sanctification. On this side is becoming a disciple of Jesus. And for that, there's a cost. It's going to cost you for that. In fact, it's a significant cost, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's the pearl of great prize. It's the one that you sell everything else and you buy that because it's the pearl of great price. So in Luke 14, let's, let's, let's read this cost because Jesus gets the cost. He talks about what it's going to cost you. Luke 14, look at verse 25. Actually, 26. I'll start in 26. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, the word hate is interesting there because the word hate is, hate is a sin, right? Jesus said hate is a sin, not to hate your brother, but to love your brother, love your enemy, right and so if you look up this word hate you look it up in the in the strongs greek lexicon it says that word actually means to love less or esteem less so we could read it this way that if anyone comes to me and does not love his father mother wife children brothers sisters yes even his own life less than he loves me he cannot be my disciple and look at what else it says it says for whoever does not bear his cross And come after me cannot be my disciple, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. And then in verse 33, it says this, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So let's break these down for a second here. Let's look at the first cost. The first cost, he said, is to, to esteem me more, to love me more than you love other things. You love, love other people. In essence, Jesus becomes your one thing. I talked about, uh, you know, my pastor friend in Kentucky and how he stays on fire. For me, in my relationship with God, because I liked how he disassociated his relationship with God and what he does for God. For me, my relationship, um, my uh, levels of priority in my life go this way. My relationship with God is number one. My relationship with my wife, number two. My kids, number three. And then what I do for God is number four. So they're separated. What I do for God is not my relationship with God. My relationship with God is, uh, is an amazing Relationship. It's a it's a wonderful friendship that I have with him. All right. So you see that. And then number two, he said, Bear your cross. What does he mean by bear your cross? I was thinking about the Via della Rosa. I was thinking about Jesus being whipped and being flogged and beaten, literally being beaten. And the Bible says that he was unrecognizable as a man. You couldn't couldn't even tell he was a man. And here he is carrying the cross. And, and then they get another man to help him, right? It was Simeon, right? Came and helped him. And the Romans aren't even willing to carry his cross for him, they were just brutal. And so Jesus is saying here to bear our cross. It's, it's a continual death of the flesh. You and me. Our flesh dying consistently. Listen to what the Bible sense lexicon had to say about carry the cross in, in regard to this verse. To deny oneself with lethal determination conceived of as picking up or carrying a wooden beam to one's own execution. Then number three, he talked about come after me. Listen to what the Bible sense lexicon has to say about that. It says to behave in in accordance or in agreement with. Sometimes we say, you know, Jesus take the wheel. You know, you know that's like I I don't know if that's crisis. I don't even know how they mean that sometimes when people say that. We I think it's just a catchphrase anymore. But but. When we put God in charge, what we're doing is we're saying, God, my mission is sub to your mission. I'm, my plans are secondary. What do you want me to do? You know, sometimes have you ever felt prompted, prodded to stop here, go here, do this, take a little longer with this person, you know, stay a little longer on this fast, go away, I want you to fast, what, what are you doing? you are making your mission sub to his mission. We do this every day. I mean, it's very practical in, in just your job. Just saying, God, I just want you to know today I make my mission sub to your mission. I thank you for helping me be abundantly productive on the job. To be an amazing businessman, businesswoman, but I thank you, God, that I pray that you would take me from success and you would move me into significance. That the things that I do because I'm sub to your mission, would become significant for you. Amen. So that's the approach. So we come after him. We, we become sub to his mission. And then number four, he said to forsake all. Forsake all. Listen to what forsake means in the Strong's. Withdraw from. In some things in our life, we, have, we need to withdraw in order to go forward with him. There's some relationships that you have to withdraw from even cut off, so that you can move forward. There were times I look back in in my life when I was growing up and I had some friendships with some guys that wanted to be my friend. And and I'm I'm like looking back going, man, thank you, Lord, that you redeemed me out of that relationship because it, it pulled me down. You're influenced by the relationships that you have. And so, what I've noticed is that the higher that I go with God, the more my relationships thin out. They get thinner. Good. Okay. So, we want everything that Jesus has for us. Right? So, why is it so many Christians live in a cycle of sin? Zach? talked about this he's mentioned it several times today and he didn't know I don't think that that was where I was going with my sermon today but why, why are so many Christians caught in a cycle of sin they're caught in this cycle of just endless turn over to Romans chapter 6 and I, I want us to answer that from the Bible you've come out of Egypt Egypt hasn't come out of you and the reason is is because the old man has to die. The old man has to die. This is why you can't be an old sinner saved by grace. You were an old sinner and you were saved by grace. So you can't be both. You can't be saved by grace and be an old sinner. Sometimes, you know, I I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, I think when that guy got baptized, he held his wallet up out of the water because he hasn't given anything since he got baptized. Now, now just so you know, I don't know what anybody gives. So I just want to disclaim that out there because I don't want to watch. I don't want to know. I don't, uh -uh. I don't want to know. But isn't that what sometimes people do when they get saved? That's why all those men that you saw in the prison that gave their lives to the Lord, I said, no, no, no. You're pushing everything to the middle. This is not a come, come as you are and God will, yeah, God will take you as you are. But the first thing he does is he changes you. And he changes you by something in you dying. It's called the flesh. It's called the old man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. That doesn't just magically happen, it happens through a death of the old man. You become crucified with Christ. I'm getting ready to show you in scripture but I'm getting really excited about what I'm getting ready to tell you. So some are still in bondage to sin because that old man is still alive and he needs to die, she needs to die, amen? So because we're gonna take up our cross, So again, justification is what he did. Sanctification is what I do with the help of the Holy Spirit. All right. So how many of the Israelites went up the mountain? One. How many did God want to come up? He wanted all of them to come up. Why is that? One reason is because light exposes darkness. It exposes what's wrong. Light also expels darkness. It doesn't just expose it. It expels it. See, it's a part of the process. It has to be visible before it can be. Why, why, do a, why does AA, the very first thing that they teach these guys to do in, in Alcohol Anonymous, it, is, is to admit what's wrong? It's the ownership of this is wrong. I was in, uh, we were in Rehoboth. And I went to a church, met this pastor, and he had, he had bought this, uh, used to be a nightclub, this building, and completely renovated it. It was beautiful on the inside. It was amazing when they got done with it. And I was asking him about the building, and I said, what was this like when you walked in here? And he goes, oh, you should have seen it when we flipped on the fluorescent lights for the first time. He said, it was awful. <laughs> we were looking around going, oh, you know what in the world? He said, because they always keep the light, kept the lights down. It was a nightclub. So that you couldn't see. He said, if people could have seen what, how dirty this was, they wouldn't have even come in here. You need a tetanus shot to walk in here. What is it? Light revealed. It exposed what was dirty. But then, once it's revealed, you're able to clean it up. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us do this. All right, now let's read in... Uh, Romans chapter 6. Rebecca, go ahead and jump up on the keyboard so they think I'm closing, would you? It was a joke. It's a joke. Don't get concerned. Romans 6. Look at verse 1. It says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? Certainly not. Yeah. Yeah how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, now pay attention to verse three, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That word baptism means immerse. How many of you have been water baptized in here? How many of you, yeah, thanks. How many of you would like to be water baptized? You haven't been water baptized and you would like to be. Or you, you, maybe you haven't. Okay. Oh, cool. Either you have it or you have a, you have new understanding and revelation of what water baptism is and you would like to do that. Anybody else? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would you two after service, would you give your information at the table to Cherry? Would you? Because guess what we have now? It's back behind the curtain, but there's a baptismal back there. And we're going to get to use it. <laughs> you know, my daughter just got baptized again. Her husband baptized her. I baptized her when, her, when she was nine. But when I, when I saw the pictures and saw her getting baptized, I went, yeah, she's got much greater understanding of what baptism is than you do, Ella. I'm excited. And you, Sarah, I'm excited for you guys. It's going to be awesome. So, make sure you get with Cherry, Okay. Now, verse 5. Look at verse 5. And that wasn't a trick. You don't have to. But I think you should. No pressure, but everybody saw you. Now, verse (laughs) 5. Okay, for if we, listen to this. For if, and especially verse 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was what? Crucified Crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Did you catch that? the old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin verse 7 for he who has died has been freed from sin who is the one who is free from sin the one who died so what's the opposite of that bound to sin means the old man is still living and he's supposed to be dead and in the grave. I remember I, I was going to my grandmother, my dad's mom, her funeral. They were from Emporia, Kansas. That, well, Madison, actually, that area. And I drove to Madison and tried to get there as quickly as I could because I knew they were getting ready to button you know, close up the casket and take her on to the, uh, to the burial site. And <clears throat> I got there just as they were willing the casket out to the, you know, to the vehicle to put it in. So I jumped out of the car and told him my name, who I was. And he said, oh, well, sir, come on. And he rolled the casket back in, <laughs> opened it back up, said, said everything, put the flowers back out so that I could have a moment To just, for me, especially family, I like seeing them not in a morbid way, but it just tells me, yeah, it's official. They're gone. And, uh, And I think sometimes we need to realize and see the fact that our old man, yeah, he's dead. I think we should have a viewing today. What do you think? I think we should have a viewing. And it's your dead man. It's that old man. Amen. All right. So, look at verse 11. So, he, verse 7 again, he who has died has been freed from sin. So, if there's a cycle of sin going on in your life, it's time to look, is is the man dead? Is the woman dead? The old self-dead. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, consider this, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, right? Second Timothy 2, verse 11, says we died with Him. Colossians 2.12 says we were buried with Him. And then Ephesians 2.5 says that we were made alive with him. Do you see some connection here with with Romans chapter 6? And then look at verse 12, Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. You have come back to life with Jesus and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Glory to God, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Jesus gets what he paid for when the old man dies. I told you it's going to cost you. I think we've just come into this thing and God has given so much to us. He's given us his son. His son has come and he's died on the cross and he's given us salvation as a free gift. But now he's expecting you and I to pay the price, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and put the old man to death. follow him. It's the only way to do it. It's the only, it's the only way to live free from sin is to put this old person to death. See, we've been crucified with Christ. Look at, consider this scripture over in, uh, this is Romans 4, and this is the very last verse in chapter 4. It says this, It says he, talking about Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Let me say that again because this is one of those scriptures that you can just meditate on for hours. He was handed over to die because of your sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So that first part he was handed over to die because of our sins means that we are dead to sin. We've died to sin. And He is raised to life. He was raised to life to make us right with God, means that we are alive in Him. There's, there's, there's two different ways that we can live we can live according to the flesh, or we can live according to the Spirit. We can't have both. And see, what's amazing is that Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So if I fully give my life to, to, to God, but then I live according to the flesh, I would expect sin to still have a place in my life. And see, the Holy Spirit's your helper. How do you live according to the Spirit? You can't without Him. You need the Holy Spirit. That's why He's come. He's come to live in me so that I can submit myself to Him so that when I begin to do things in my life or I'm about to make a decision and the Holy Spirit prompts me and says, yeah, I wouldn't waste time with that. Then that means there's a reason He doesn't want me involved with that. Come on, some of this preaching could prevent some people from looking at porn. Just being real. Because many people are trapped in it over here is because they made a decision to ask Jesus into their heart, but they're still enjoying things over here, and this man hasn't died yet. And he's still alive, and so they keep getting easily pulled back in this direction because the enemy knows, oh, I've got the hook set over here. So all I need to do is just hold, put the pole in the holder and glance over once in a while and see if the line's moving. And if it is, I'll go over and yank it a little harder so it sticks over here. But God's not called us to live according to the flesh. He's called us to live according to the Spirit. Here's the good news for you this morning. You can be free. be free. We don't have to live in in the guilt and the shame and the condemnation because our old man is still alive over here and keeps dragging us. And, you remember, what did they used to do? Was it, I mean, I wish I knew the history of this, but maybe you can help me, Deb, since you're kind of medical. Um, but I think it was during during when, the, when Nazi Germany, and they would handcuff a live person to a dead person, and wouldn't rigor mortis set in? Oh, boy, I'm really venturing out here, and Dev's looking at me like, I don't know. But because, because you're dragging the dead person around, that corpse begins to affect the person that's attached to it. It produces death in that person too, because they're attached to death death gives, gives birth to death. But life gives birth to life. And I'm telling you, we have, we have two different choices that we can make. We can either choose to live according to the flesh and continue to let those desires be fulfilled because there is pleasure for a moment over here. Or I can live free over on this side and choose to put the old man to death so that I can live unto Him and the Spirit can lead me and I'm okay with giving up relationships, with giving up addictions, things that I even enjoy because I know that the end that they produce in my life is death. A porn addiction doesn't start with an X-rated movie. It starts with a look, a glance thought, and it grows. It's progressive. I don't know that you should be talking about that in church, Pastor Phil. Well, I don't know about you, but I really desire to see some people get free in here today. And I believe that this is the scripture that can do it. It's time to bury the old man. To put him in the ground. I remember we, uh, We were offered a job in Pullman, Washington. How many of you ever, anybody ever been to Pullman, Washington before? Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, We got a Portland, Oregon girl. Um, well, you know, Pullman. So, you know, we flew from here, Tulsa at the time to, to Pullman and it's an all day flight. I mean, it takes you all day to get there. And then we had to fly into Spokane and we had to drive two hours down to Pullman. And so here we are, In Pullman, and I'm just going. I don't think I want to live here. (laughs) You know, this is too far away from everything, everybody that I know. I mean, my life. You know, and and I. But I. Is that how you felt? Okay. And so, as I was as I was there at the job interview, I was like, Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I when I married Nicole, I moved from Tulsa to Phoenix. Arizona. And I felt like that was a long way. That was a thousand miles from my home uh, where I was raised. And and that Okay, you're you're way beyond that. The Bible says that your sin is thrown as far as the east is from the west, and God remembers it no more. Why would you? The old man is buried way over there, not way past Pullman, Washington, way out there where you can't get to it. And, and so when the enemy comes and he tries to bring temptation, you can say, I don't live there anymore. I don't know what door you're knocking on, but this is not the right house. All right, let me say a couple more things and then we're going to pray. That was was for something else. So we're just going to pray. Would you bow your heads all around the room this morning? Man, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, let's just begin to worship Him. You don't have to sing, but just in your own way, begin to worship. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. You're such a good, good Father. Father, I thank you for this word thank you, Lord, that you've given us the answer, that you're the answer for our life. You're the answer to cycles of sin that are being produced by a man or a woman that needs to be dead in the grave. And Father, I pray this morning for a release letting go. If you're here and that's you and you say, yeah, you know, Phil, I've I've walked through that. I've experienced cycles of sin in my life for years. In fact, I've been bound for years. I came out of Egypt, but I haven't been able to get Egypt out of me. And I realized that I need the old man. I need to put the old man to death, the old woman to death, that old mindset, that old thing that keeps me connected to sin. I'm ready to cut it loose. Now, I don't want anybody looking around. I'm not looking for metrics. I'm not looking for anybody to track hands at all. This is between you and God. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up. Say, Phil, that's me. I'm ready to die. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it down. I see it. Most importantly, God sees it. He sees your heart. You're acknowledging it before him, not before people. If that's you, you say, yeah, I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of living this way. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I refuse. If that's you, I'm asking you to raise your hand all around the room. Yeah, yeah. thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I'm going to ask every single person in the room. I'd like you to pray out loud after me, and let's pray it in such a way that, that the enemy can tell that we mean it. Let's pray it with confidence, let's pray it with boldness, and let's speak it out together. Would you pray after me, everybody together? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you died, that you were buried, that you were resurrected, and you have ascended on high, and you did all that for me. I thank you that my value comes from you. And it's not your desire that that old man, that that old woman stays alive. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and to fill me with your presence. I put to death that old man, that old woman, now. And I thank you that I've been made righteous. There's no condemnation, guilt, or shame that the enemy can bring in my life because I'm free. And whom the sun sets free is free. Would you just thank him with me? Let's just thank him about how free God has made us. Lord, we just love you. We are so grateful, so thankful. Thank you, Lord. That old man is dead and in the grave. (laughs) And I thank you, God, for it. I thank you, Lord, for it. I thank you that we can live free. Thank you, Jesus. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you one last thing before we close it up. Pay the price. You saw, I showed you from scripture in in Luke 14 that there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to it. You don't get, this doesn't get preached very much because it's all about me, 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 and what God can do for me, what He did for me, what He can do for me. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to live an existence of crisis to crisis. Do you remember in the wilderness, the children of Israel, they lived from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis? We don't have any water. Why did you bring us out here into the wilderness? We don't have any food. Why did you bring us out here into the wilderness? We want meat. Why did you bring us out here into the wilderness? And it was complaint after complaint, it was crisis after crisis. But I noticed one person, and it probably would have been two or three, that did not live from crisis to crisis in the wilderness, Moses. Joshua was probably the other one. Caleb was probably in there. They didn't live from crisis. Moses did not live from crisis to crisis. Why? Because his trust was fully in God. We don't have any water. Moses, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? You're trying to kill us? You couldn't, there are no graves in Egypt. What did Moses do? Lord, what's your answer? He said, tap the rock. God's so amazing, tap the rock. But I don't know about you, I don't want it. Moses didn't live either from sin cycle to sin cycle. Why? He was spending a lot of face time with God. He was going after God. Man, when you go after God, You walk in the light as he is in the light and the light exposes and expels the things in your life that need to get out.